Good morning. It is my absolute privilege this morning and honor to introduce uh, our speaker who is going to lead us in our theme of Alive in the Holy Spirit. Pastor Casey Wong uh, grew up in the tropics of Malaysia and he had a wild introduction to winter when he came to Prairie College uh, in 1990. While he was here, he completed a BTH, and uh, interestingly enough, he took both languages, both Greek and also Hebrew. But uh, at the time, he tells me that we didn't allow students to take Hebrew, which was in the, we had a graduate school. We didn't allow students to take Hebrew, and so he had to get special permission in order to, uh, in order to access that class. Uh, but that was the desire that he had in terms of preparation for ministry. His first, uh, his first uh, post as a pastor was in Denver, and uh, there he pastored a uh, church for 10 years. And uh, we'll forgive him. We're Christians. We, we need to do that. We'll forgive him because he's still a, a fan of the Broncos. In 2003, uh, Casey and his family, by the way, he has a wife and uh, a girl, Heyman, who is in her first year of university in Washington, D.C., and, uh, and they moved to, at that time to the Silicon Valley, where he's pastoring a Christian and Missionary Alliance church and has been there now for 15 years. So 25 years in pastoring. In two, con in two congregations. He uh, also uh, is the president of the Chinese Alliance Churches Association, and he is the on the board of directors of the Christian Missionary Alliance. So we're just absolutely delighted to have uh, Pastor Wong here. Come on up, KC. And uh, by the way, KC and I, uh, we, I, I was here in 1990, uh, to 93, and uh, he was one of the RAs in the residence at the time. And the residence is no longer even here because it was across the road. It was called KM or Kirk Memorial, or it went also by JK. So go figure. But uh, Casey was one of the RAs in the residence at the time, and I was working with high school students as well as... Anyway, we go way back. And so we're so delighted to have you. Let me pray for you, and then we'll let you loose. Okay? Our Father, thank you very much for Pastor Wong. Thank you for what you've done in his life and through his life. We pray for his family today, for his wife, for his daughter, who's working hard in her university program. We ask that you would help her and encourage her in that. We thank you for his congregation in the Silicon Valley. We pray for them today. We ask, Lord, that you would put a hedge of protection around that congregation, that you would bless them as they seek to reach out into that community and help them to do that. Fill them, Father, with your spirit for your work and for what you want to accomplish in that community. And thank you for KC. Thank you for the gifts, the talents, for the great desire that you've given in him to serve you and to serve your kingdom. And we ask that you would bless him in that. May your mantle of ministry 
be strong on his life. Bless him this morning as he brings your word. And Father, we pray that uh, you would open our hearts so that we might listen and hear and obey what you're saying this morning. We give our hearts and our time to you. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Uh, good morning. I feel so old now. And uh, so I'm bringing a lot of the old stuff uh, back to you. And uh, most of the uh, building that I was here, uh, when I was here, is no longer here. And uh, uh, the only thing that is, uh, I was living in that Davidson, Davidson, uh, yeah. and uh, that was uh, used to be, and I think it is still now, uh, the married student dorm. Uh, I was single at that time, so I was not uh, allowed to uh, live there. But uh, we have so many friends there, so I uh, kind of uh, visited that uh, uh, place uh, frequently. Uh, as you are seeing me wearing this, uh, I have to uh, kind of uh, get it out from uh, the garage uh, in California. <laughs> it, this is just too uh, warm to uh, wear. We do have some cold uh, weather, but because we are not in LA, we are on the northern side, uh, very close to San Francisco. So, uh, but this is an uh, ancient uh, jacket uh, that uh, still bears the names of a uh, Prairie Bible College. And uh, when you get a chance, you can... Uh, when you get a chance, you can come and uh, you can look at this uh, a wonderful uh, tag that uh, I selected back in the days. And I also realized uh, when I was here, beside the professor, I think most of you students uh, probably are not coming to this world yet. Right? How many of you were born between the years of uh, 1990 and 93? Okay. That's good. Okay. All of a sudden, I don't feel so old now. And uh, it's good. Okay, I'm going to take this off because uh, I am a warm-blooded uh, human, so I need to uh, throw this away. <laughs> feel free to come and take a look at that. I realize that uh, you don't get a chance to uh, have a jacket like this. They only give it to the best person in the world, you know, so. Uh. <laughs> but it is uh, good, in fact, very good to be back here. Uh, the last time I came back to uh, Prairie was uh, 1995. So it's, it was a long time ago, a good, uh, what, 24 years? And in my church, every Sunday, uh, I have to uh, go through uh, this uh, torture. Uh, this is a curse of a Chinese church in, uh, in the North America. And uh, I have to uh, preach. Uh, maybe three times, uh, sometimes one time, but most of the time three times. And, uh, but the worst thing is that I have to do it in uh, uh, two or three different languages. In fact, my trip over here this uh, uh, few days, I spent a weekend in Edmonton and uh, preaching in a church. And uh, that put me through uh, preaching and uh, actually they're very kind to me. So I only have to speak like four times in two languages. And uh, so I am very honored today to come here uh, to preach in my uh, second uh, language. And when I first came here in 1990, I, what I can uh, speak uh, now, it probably will take me two days to uh, finish what I... Uh, <laughs> and I'm not kidding, that is uh, the fact. But it is very good. After 25, 26 years, I uh, can uh, come back here. And I uh, used to be sitting where you are sitting, and uh, now I am standing here uh, to share with you. I felt that uh, as we sing the song, uh, Jesus paid it all, all to Him, we owe. 
I have a great sense of indebtedness uh, to uh, this school. Uh, as I look back in the 25, 26 years of uh, ministry, uh, I felt that uh, this school has prepared me, me really well. I have, uh, I have to do a lot of uh, uh, reconstruction, restructuring uh, of the, the foundation that this school has uh, given me. And uh, I felt that the most precious lessons this school has taught me is uh, how to persevere. I don't know how many of you uh, are, are involved in pastoral ministry. Uh, pastoral ministry is not uh, the easiest job in the world, uh, but I think this school prepared me really well, uh, both academically and uh, also uh, spiritually, to uh, embark in this uh, uh, challenge. So today, as we uh, continue on in this uh, topic, a life in the Holy Spirit, and I was given the honor to talk about to pray in the Spirit. And I want you to think a little bit, uh, what comes to your mind when you think about uh, prayer in the Spirit? I'm sure you uh, think of uh, passages like Ephesians uh, 6, 18. It says that, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Or maybe another passage in uh, Jude uh, 120, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. These passages, I felt, have been redefined by the popular culture. Yes, the Word of God will never change, but sometimes when we read it, we are influenced by the popular culture, and, uh, and we have a little bit of a subtle change, and redefi- we redefine what prayer is. Yes, the popular Christian culture that unintentionally turned the focus in prayer from God to ourselves. One of my favorite authors, I think he, uh, at, at least at one point, also uh, lived in Colorado, Philip Yancey, in his book, uh, Prayer, he wrote this. Maybe you can help me with uh, uh, one more. And he said this. Prosperity may dilute prayer too. Maybe you don't feel that you are wealthy, but uh, uh, prosperity brings complacency. We live in a a world that is very uh, peaceful, no persecution. We can meet whenever we want. We have the freedom. But this type of uh, prosperity or, or, or complacency may dilute prayer too. He continued to say, in my travels, I have noticed that Christians in developing countries spend less time pondering the effectiveness of prayer and more time actually praying. I'm certainly guilty of that. We go through books and uh, we study and uh, we research about prayer, but we don't always pray. And the same author, Philip Yancey, observed as he traveled overseas and he noticed a striking difference in the wording of prayers. Notice, Christians in affluent countries tend to pray, Lord, take trial away from us. But he has heard prisoners, persecuted Christians, and some who live in very poor countries pray instead, Lord, give us the strength to bear this trial. How often we want God to focus on ourselves in prayer, and we are not focusing on God. I cannot help but to wonder and ask, what is Christian life? What does it mean to follow Christ? I actually don't like the word Christian. I like uh, to 
identify myself as a follower of Christ. And a very familiar verse that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 9. In fact, that is one of my favorite verses. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says, Then Jesus said to them all, and I want you to pay attention. Jesus is giving us a choice. Whoever wants to be my disciple. At this point, you have a choice to make. Whether you want to be a disciple of Christ or not, you can make the decision. But notice, once you make the decision to follow Christ, the option is no, no longer there. You, you can only follow Christ one way. That is the way that Christ defined. And He defined it as follows. First, we must deny ourselves. You, don't, you, you cannot live a life pleasing to yourself all the time. It was really ironic as I reflect on my own prayer life. How often in prayer, we all know we are entering the presence of God and yet we see not God but ourselves. But we must deny ourselves if we want to truly follow Christ. Then the second thing is that you need to take up your cross. This is not the cross of Christ. This is your cross. When you have to take up your cross, as we sang the song earlier, Jesus paid it all, all to Him we owe. When you are bearing or carrying that cross, this is not an easy life. But it will be easy if you allow Christ to carry your cross with you together. Because His yoke is light. But we, nonetheless, have to remember we are carrying our cross. And then notice, whether you like it or not, whether you have a good day or bad day, you have to do that daily. So you have to deny yourself and you take up your cross daily. No choice to follow Him. So the, the best verse that I like in my ministry, 25, 26 years of our ministry, is Romans chapter 8, 26. When we talk about prayer in the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, 26, 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Again, I don't know whether you are only understanding this passage or you actually experience it. Remember my years here in, in prayer as I struggled through uh, the, the studies, it was not easy. And then in ministry, oftentimes I found myself uh, on my knees praying to God. And I realized I have so many things in my heart, the burden is so heavy, and yet I don't know, I have no words to express that. And it is during time like this, this passage came to mind in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I identify fully with that, not one time, not two times, but often. When I realize the problem is so big, when I realize the task, responsibility is so great, so great beyond my ability, and yet when I'm I'm entering the presence of God. Sometimes you don't even feel that God is there. You don't know what to tell Him. It is time like this, I felt a, a sense of a, a relief when I read passages like this. 
the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf, intercede for us through wordless groans. That's all I needed. And that is the reason why I can persevere through this uh, tough uh, years of ministry. So this morning, I'm not, I don't want to go through uh, this uh, uh, prayer, not the type of prayer like uh, you often uh, uh, envision, especially when we talk about praying the, in the Holy Spirit. So I'm not talking about uh, the in-your-closet, behind-closed-door type of uh, prayer in the Spirit. I want to walk you through from the book of Nehemiah and to see what it means to pray in the Spirit in the middle or in the midst of life. I think that is uh, more practical. As many of you know, uh, uh, Nehemiah, his name, means comfort of Jehovah. Comfort of Jehovah. So before we enter or, or go into these uh, few chapters, I want you to first pause and uh, ponder upon, upon yourself. Whether you know it or not, whether your, your name means anything, God has given you a mission. For Nehemiah, the mission is that he is the comfort of Jehovah. But the key point here is not to ask you to know uh, the, uh, the mission of, uh, of your life or, or the mission that God has given you. The key here is that uh, I want you to, to know that you are carrying that as you go through life. I don't know uh, what God is leading you uh, five years from now, ten years from now. You have to remember that. And Nehemiah remember just that. If you have read through the book of Nehemiah, you know uh, uh, the first few chapters is, is rather interesting. He has a mission, but this mission is not without challenge. So if you go through the book, you see that uh, in chapter 4, we'll focus on 1 and 2, but uh, chapter 4, he has opposition from without. His mission is to simply rebuild the wall, and, uh, and yet the people from outside, they don't like it, so they give him all kinds of uh, troubles. And then chapter 5, conflict within, within. And then when you go to ch uh, chapter 6, more opposition attacking, uh, uh, they're, they're attacking Nehemiah's integrity. But the good news is, we, ha all, we have to always come back to this. Chapter 7, the war completed. Despite of all these challenges, all this opposition, all this uh, conflict, the mission God gives you will go on. God will complete the mission that He has given you if you have the right attitude like Nehemiah. So I just want to share three very simple points to you. You can remember the long one or you can remember the short one. So I want to submit to you, we ought to pray in the Spirit when you want to do something, when you have the ambition that you want to do something for the Lord. Pray in the Spirit when you want to do something. When you have the ambition, I suppose many of you have that. You want to do something, maybe for yourself, maybe for people, maybe for God. None, regardless, that is the ambition. So what is, the, what is ambition? What is mission? From the book of Nehemiah, I, I see that you are passionately embracing a problem or issue that would not necessarily uh, affecting you. Again, when, you talk, when, when, we, when we talk about praying in the, in the Spirit, when we talk about prayer, you need to focus on God and not just yourself. And when you think about ambition, when you think about a, a mission, 
as you will see in a little bit in the life of Nehemiah, he passionately embraced a problem actually in his uh, life. But the key thing is this problem would not, would not affect him. So the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 opened with these uh, uh, words. Can you guys see? Good. The words of Nehemiah are son of... Uh, but the key, the key words... Yeah, you guys can help me with that. It's not English anyway. So even if I pronounce it, you thought that I pronounced it wrong, but actually, who knows, right? This is not English. But the important thing is that Nehemiah was in the comfort of a palace. He lives in the palace. He works there. And yet he heard a problem. This guy, Hanani, Nehemiah described as one of, one of his brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And he took the initiative. That is the key. He took the initiative. He showed interest in a problem that will have nothing to do with him. And he questioned them about the Jewish remnants that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And the report he got is this. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And often as we look at the news, Many of you probably don't know, and we, we grew numb to uh, the many news that we have been uh, hearing, uh, the, the, sh- the recent shooting in New Zealand, the many uh, uh, school violence. What is our attitude? The f- very first shocking uh, school shooting that was in Columbine, and that was 10 minutes away from uh, where I live. In fact, I knew a family that I will talk about a little bit if I have time, uh, not about the Columbine, but the older sister. But the two younger ones was attending the school during the shooting. But they were the first batch that uh, left, so uh, no harm to them. You know, now when we see problems, when we heard about this thing in news, very naturally, in, deep inside, deep in our heart, we began to do the math. How many got killed? Oh, only 50 people? It's fine. Not big deal. No big deal. We want to, uh, our attention will not, our heart will not be touched if the number is not remarkable. What is ambition? What is mission? Mission is to passionately embracing a problem or issue that would not necessarily affect you. And you don't have to go, go out and, uh, and search for that uh, a problem or anything like that. You know, there is one big problem in the world. There is the problem of sin. And who has the answer? Who has the solution? We all do have the, the, the solution and the answer. But how often we are so indifferent to evangelism, to outreach, we don't care about people going to hell. The mission is that uh, when you passionately embracing a problem that may not or would not necessarily affecting you, so the report is back to uh, Nehemiah. What did he do? He prayed in the Spirit. As we continue to read, 
Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. I wonder as I uh, throw out so many of the, the uh, illustrations, how often when we hear something, when we read about some news, whether natural disaster or a man-made uh, problem, that we actually have the heart to sit down and begin to weep about things like that. And that's not the end of it. As the Bible continues to tell us, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What is fasting to you? How often fast and prayer become a protest to God? I've been praying for one thing for such a long time and I have no response or answer from God. So now, let me show you something. I'm not going to eat until you give me what I want. That's how we define fast and prayer. But for Nehemiah, that is not the case. It is an issue of priority. So at that time when he heard about this news, Again, the news and the problem and the issue that is not necessarily affecting him at the time. And yet he is so consumed by this problem and issue. He came before the Lord. He prayed in the Spirit. He wept and he mourned. And all of a sudden, this issue that is not affecting him took over, become the priority of his life to a point that food becomes secondary. That should be the definition of fast and prayer. So it's not about you, it's not about getting what you want, but it's about you are consumed by something. You're consumed by the ambition that God has given you. And everything else in your life becomes secondary. Then notice I'm not going to read through this uh, whole chapter 1. But starting from verse 5 or until the last verse of chapter 1, except for the last phrase, when Nehemiah said that, I am the cupbearer of king, that whole uh, uh, chapter is about his prayer to God. So I'm just going to just read you a, a few verses. Uh, Nehemiah then said to God in prayer, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. I cannot stress enough. You don't see self here. You see Nehemiah coming to the Lord. He not only see the problem of others that is not affecting him as his own problem, in his confession, as he confessed the sin of uh, these people, he actually included himself in there. You really cannot pray in the Spirit if your focus is on yourself so much. And that's Nehemiah. You want to pray in Spirit when you want to do something your ambition. You know, ambition is a very tricky thing, but only ambition that is bathed and birthed out of our prayer in the Spirit will remain God 
center. Sometimes I felt that uh, pastoral ministry is, uh, is a very uh, challenging uh, ministry. Because you are in the environment, uh, you, uh, the environment, the environment will tell you that you are focusing on God, you are serving God. But how often, as a pastor, uh, the ambition in pastoral ministry become our own selfish ambition? I served first 10 years in a very difficult, challenging uh, ministry of church planting in Denver. And you know, in the 10 years, I only have one prayer and one question. That prayer is, or was, I often ask God, do you still have work for me to do? I never pray for a big church. I never pray to be famous. But I always pray that, God, do you still have work for me to do? When there is, I will stay. I don't have time to go into all the details, but when I left, literally, the work kind of come to an end, stops. And I often ask myself, as ambitious as I still am, I often ask myself, am I building my own kingdom or am I building God's kingdom? And that is something we need to uh, ponder upon. When we talk about prayer in the Spirit, you need to deal with yourself. Second, prayer in the Spirit when you don't want to do certain things. That is when uh, whatever you are ambitious about, uh, you are faced with some kind of opposition. Or maybe sometimes it's not opposition as in attack, but sometimes you get confused. Maybe you are at that stage right now. You, have, you are ambitious coming to this school, but now you are not sure, you are confused. It is in time like this you have to pray in the Spirit when you don't want to do certain things or when you feel like you don't want to do certain things. And often we, uh, we, when, we f- when we feel like this, when we see opposition and confusion, it's very natural for us to just simply give up. It is very easy for uh, Dr. Lowen to introduce me to you saying that uh, in the last 25 years, he passed only two churches. In fact, this is the most grateful thing I, I have in my... Uh, uh, what, I go to different places and I ask people, if you want to introduce me, don't miss this one. I don't care about other things, but this is the most important thing. But let me tell you that 25 years in two churches is not easy. It's very challenging. I don't know how often I don't want to continue on. Even my years here in Prairie is very challenging. Don't know how many times I want to quit. I don't want to carry on and continue. But with God's uh, grace, I was able to finish that four-year degree, that that crazy Bachelor of Theology degree uh, in three years. But don't give up when you are confused. You know what tells you to give up? The self. When you focus on being very sensitive to yourself. Yes, you need to listen to your heart, but don't let yourself dictate your future, especially in times of confusion and opposition. Nehemiah. Now we are <coughs> moving on to chapter uh, 4. 
against many uh, names, when Sambala heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. And I wonder why. Maybe what Nehemiah is planning to do threatened them, make them uncomfortable. So he came up with this plan. That is the tactic of public humiliation. He ridiculed the Jews, verse 2, and in the presence of his associate and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? This is not just simply doubting what they, they are doing, but attacking who they are. Feeble. They are weak. Will they restore their war? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stone back to life from those heaps of uh, rubble, uh, burned as they are? And verse 3, this guy, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was uh, at his side, said, what they're building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. A fox is a little bit bigger uh, than a cat and a lot smaller than a dog. What an attack. If Nehemiah took this personally, he would uh, just give up. And the book of Nehemiah will stop in chapter 4 or maybe 5. And that's it. But in opposition and confusion, this is what Nehemiah did. Once again, he come to the Lord in prayer. He pray in the Spirit. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. I don't know about you. You may be a lot better than me. I have this sensation in my heart throughout these 25 years of uh, serving the Lord. I feel that I'm undermined. I feel that I'm so discouraged. I feel that I'm not appreciated. And oftentimes when I feel that, what do I do? I want to run away. I want to quit. I don't even want to come into the presence of God because in my head, I do have good theology in my head. I understand the Bible very well. If God is powerful, why do you have to put me through this, this thing? You know my heart. I serve you wholeheartedly. And why do you allow these people to do things like, like this to me? See, this is self-talking. This is your ego talking. And if you continue to listen to this type of a talking and, uh, uh, and go on, you get discouraged very, very quickly. And the more important thing is that uh, as you are ambitious about something, are you available? Sometimes we have our plans so set in, uh, in, um, in many uh, different uh, goals and uh, things like that. And uh, what about God throws something at you that is not in your plan? That creates confusion, yes. Sometimes you feel that there is an opposition, but what is your attitude toward that? But Nehemiah come to the Lord and he prayed. Turn their insult back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blow out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insult in the face of the builders. So we rebuild the wall till all of it reach half this height. Half his height. So it's not completed, but in opposition and confusion, they continue on uh, the project. They rely on God. They come to the Lord and prayer. I was called to uh, serve the Lord in pastoral ministry. I was uh, in uh, Denver in 1993 to start uh, this uh, church. It's a church planting uh, starting from nothing. 
The reason why I say that, I just want you to know this is a job description. So you, you know, you can imagine uh, what I was uh, called to do. But in 1996, so three years down, one night about 2 o'clock, I was still single at the time, the phone rang. don't know about you, I don't know if you understand this. Uh, we have families in overseas. So in the middle of the night, when you have a phone call, you always have that kind of a weird feeling what happened at home. You, you always have that. So I picked up the phone uh, from um, dreaming and uh, things like that. I just picked up the phone and I was talking. And I have this uh, very uh, uh, superpower that uh, you can call me anytime and uh, if I have a split second to remind myself, I don't want you to know that I just wake up from sleep and I can control my voice and let you hear that this, this person is not sleeping yet. <laughs> so I did that. I did that. But on the other side of the phone, it's not uh, my mom, it's not my uh, family. It's a Caucasian girl, 18 years old. And she acted all friendly, and uh, she was talking to me like, uh, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing now? I think she was very surprised that uh, I was actually awake. And being a very uh, rebellious kind of uh, a person, so I just go, I just don't want you to have the fun you want to have, so I'm going to uh, kind of uh, play with you a little bit. So what did I do? He, she asked me what, what I was doing, and I said, uh, I was uh, writing a, a paper. So this is not something she uh, expected. I was actually writing a paper, my ordination paper at that time. And she said, what paper? And I, again, don't want her to have all the fun, so I said, um, philosophy. And she when like, oh, this, this is interesting. So long story short, I continued to talk with her like that. At the end of the conversation, she did something really dumb, or the Holy Spirit really moved in her at the time, but I, didn't, I did not know that. I asked her, can you give me your name? First name, last name. I got it. This is back in the days of uh, your smartphone and things like that, so I have to have a paper to write it down. And she gave me the phone number, she gave me the address of a house. At the time in Denver, this is, uh, this is uh, a mis misdemeanor, I think, when you do prank call like this, if I get all the informa information like this. She's a very smart, uh, street smart kind of a girl, so I know she would not do that, but she did. So right away, I sense that this is probably uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing in her. Little did I know, a year later, she called me in a normal time office hour. I was actually very surprised after a year, she still kept my number. Actually, that night when she called me prank, she was uh, drinking with some crazy people, run away from home and, uh, and have nothing to do, so she just tried to uh, open up the phone book. And my name is rather interesting, you know, it's not your regular uh, English name. So she thought, okay, it's fine, you know, just call. But again, long story short, when she called me one year later, she hit bottom. Again, running away from home. The night before, overdose in uh, uh, <coughs> alcohol, not sure about drugs. Waking up the next day, not thinking about committing suicide, but uh, thought that she may have uh, died, and yet not. So she panicked. And she turned to that prank call. And God actually saved her through that prank call.
pray in the Spirit sometimes also involves your availability. That is beyond your job description. I never for one go like, well, I actually struggled through that too. I went like, uh, this is not a Chinese, I'm reaching out to Chinese. My English is probably not uh, uh, as good as hers, and uh, you know, how can I penetrate to that kind of uh, uh, cloud? But again, it's not about you. If you have the right attitude in you, you rely on the Holy Spirit, God can do great things through you. I have another story, but uh, given the interest of time, I'll save that for maybe next time. Last but not least, pray in the Spirit when God is doing great things through you. Pray in the Spirit when God is doing great things through you. When you have success in your life. When you have success in your life. Maybe you're thinking this is uh, hard to see that. But the great success is not defined by the worldly standard. The great success is that when you are doing and be faithful in what God wants you to do. And that's what I want. Sometimes it makes me really uncomfortable with some of the titles that I'm, I, I carry with me right now. I don't talk about that in my church. I, I'm not sure uh, all of them know about this uh, title. They know what I am doing, what I involve but they don't always know the title because I don't talk about them too much. Because sometimes these titles, even in, uh, in our circle, the Christian circle, the pastor circle, become so worldly. And that's not what I want. This past uh, weekend when I was in Edmonton, uh, one of the messages that I keep telling people is that as you gather here uh, today, there are some standards that we live by. You look around, you know this is a good Christian, this is not a so good Christian. Uh, I'm talking about uh, whether you uh, behave like a Christian. But the most important thing at the end of the day, I want you to ask yourself, that standard, whatever that is, when Christ came, when He is the one who is making the call, will that standard stand before Him? When you think about success, again, pray in the Spirit is not about yourself. It's about God. When you pray in the Spirit, when God is doing great things through you, you want God to be happy about your success. Notice Nehemiah chapter 6, 15 to 19. This is kind of an indirect way to, uh, uh, to tell us how Nehemiah pray in the Spirit when God is doing great things uh, through him. Nehemiah chapter 6, 15 to 19, it says that the war was completed on the 25th of Elu in 52 days. Short 52 days, the war was successfully rebuilt. Notice verse 16, when all our enemies heard about this, those people who are attacking them, doubting them, uh, don't want them to have uh, any uh, success. These people and all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Why? Because Nehemiah is such a great leader. 
Because Nehemiah is so successful, is that the case? Read on. No, the reason, because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And this is not your regular day-to-day church-goer believers, Christians, followers of Christ. No, these are the enemies. These are the pagans when they see the work of Nehemiah, they came to one simple conclusion. This work had been done with the help of their God. Pray in the Spirit when God is doing great things through you. What do people see when they associate your work with some sort of a success? Is it because you're so disciplined? Is it merely because you're so smart? Or do they see that you have done this? You have this success because it is done with the help of your God. Often, even in our own circle, in, uh, uh, among our peers, they don't see it. And often, even when we talk like this, when we tell them, uh, I, I am successful because God helped me, it's very hard to see that. Because we never really have that attitude of truly praying in the Spirit. So just to recap, <coughs> you want to pray in the Spirit when you want to do something, when you have ambition. And when you experience opposition and confusion, you pray in the Spirit when you don't want to do certain things. Don't give up. Take your ego out and come into the presence of God and pray in the Spirit. And when you have any sort of a success, pray in the Spirit when God is doing great things through you. And ask God to show the people around you that you have this success because you have done this with the help of your God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you, uh, your Holy Spirit continue to speak to us. And Father, I pray that you uh, dig deep in us. You search through us. And not in an environment like this, sometimes it's really hard because we have so many things that we need to uh, do. It is so difficult to uh, have a moment of uh, quiet and silence. But I just pray that maybe now, right now, as we pause, maybe our mind is still raising with uh, what is next, uh, assignments, uh, due dates, and things like that. But Father, I Pray that you help us to see this whole business of following you is not about us. In fact, you don't want us to focus on ourselves. You want us to deny ourselves. And you want us to take up our cross daily to follow you. Father, I pray that you search in us to see 
whatever ambition we have. Lord, I pray that you help us to, uh, to make necessary adjustments so those ambitions will align with you, so that we will not, again, dictate our, by our ego. Lord, I pray that you help us to embrace those problems that you bring to us, bring to our attention, those issues that may not affecting us, and yet, Lord, I pray that you, you make those a, a, a mission. Help us to passionately embrace those. And Father, I pray, maybe right now we are confused. Maybe right now we felt that the odd is so much against us. Lord, I pray that you help us not to focus on ourselves, but to come into your presence and to pray in the Spirit. And Father, I see so many potential here. there will be success down the road. Lord, I pray. I pray when this success comes, the people around us will give the credit, not to our hard work, but to you and you alone. And Father, I pray that you continue to be great, as we decrease. And Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for loving us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.